Hello, everybody. Hello, Brooklyn. Is it the Beastie Boys? Yeah, it is. <laughs> dude, I don't I even. Knew it. <laughs> dude, so this is a shout you out. You look to like you're in a Beastie Boys mood. I, for everybody who's in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. we're giving you a shout out today from the Lank. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the hill this is, the is word alive. Of, the hill is alive with the sound of Lanky. We are the word oh. on the hill. No, we're not the word. We are. We're the Lanky guys. We're the Lanky guys. And this, this is the word. This collectively is the word on the hill. That's good. I needed some some grammatical clarity. This is why we should do a video version because then people could see me. Oh, yeah, dude. I, I, have you gotten positive feedback on that? One. I got Maybe like, two. I got two. <laughs> Dude, my, my my brother called me so excited. He did, yeah, and he was like, oh. he was like, okay, this is this is what we're gonna do, man. And I was like, I was like, do you do you realize that I'm I actually am in like a like a like literally a Barco lounger, like an easy chair, with my feet I do. up. I don't even have shoes on. Nope. Scott, your it, shoes are actually on the table. Ironically enough. Ironically enough, there's like water bottles and all sorts of visually stimulating things around. I just had a lot of little smokies, which gave me the meat sweats. <laughs> <laughs> dude meat sweat I, is that a real thing i don't know i've never even heard of meat sweats. i don't know man but you had them i mean i was it's looking a at, little bit i looked into your eyes and i was like Ooh, it wasn't good meat, meat sweat i might actually not be a physical phenomenon <laughs> but more of a spiritual one yeah spiritual emotional spiritual emotional psycho psychosomatic psychosomatic yeah. So we got anyway, some readings today. Okay, so we've been I wrong. I have a shout-out first. Oh, my. Yeah, I've got a shout-out from shout it out. both of our friend Renato Sander. Renato, Renato yeah. Sander, who, believe it or Renato. not, listens every week. Can you imagine that? Oh, my goodness. I know. And he, uh, he mentioned it. He sent me a little message. And he said he wants a shout-out. So our good friend Renato, who is a Brazilian-German, if you can imagine what that looks like or sounds like, who, he's a Brazilian German who lives in Peru, and he wrote that <laughs> he said, "I like them, but sometimes it's hard to listen. But I like them, which is a perfect, I think, definition of us. I like them, but sometimes it's hard to listen. But I like them. But I like them. Yeah, yeah that's we're a good, hard to a, listen to, but we're likable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every once in a while, you have to be on your game if you're going to pay attention in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no slack and this isn't like America's funny in its own videos. This is not the lowest con- common denominator. I think we just lost half of our listeners. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Thanks a lot, thanks, Peter. Thanks for putting that on me, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Anyway, Renato, Renato. our good friend who we miss, who used to live here. Yes. We miss you. Renato. Come home soon. Yes. God bless you for your work. Indeed. Um yeah, we are Oh, your apology. You were about oh, to issue, so, issue a formal apology on our behalf. Okay. Well, okay, so I'm partly we are partly like we're just wrong, okay? Partly I, wrong? I was going to say we are partly right, but we're just wrong. Okay. No, there's nothing right about so it. So we were we kept on anticipating Pentecost, but guess what? We skipped over like a big dog feast. Yeah. I we, mean, basically and and this is like a really important feast. It's a big one. That basically completes the Paschal mystery. mystery. Which is the ascension of the Lord. So that today we yeah. are going over the ascension of the Lord. We are. The ascension of the Lord, which is, um, I mean, technically it's the seventh Sunday in Easter, but it is the feast of the ascension, which is really cool. Yes. So he's going to ascend today. Yes. It's, it, well, it, it's, a, it's a movable feast. Is it? I didn't know that. Well, not really, um, but the <laughs> but the bishops um, the bishops decided that a lot of people don't want to go to mass on Thursday because it's Ascension oh, Thursday, and so geez. so they, so normally what would happen is that we would have Ascension on Thursday, and then we would have nine days until Pentecost. But we've got a we've got an, a transfer of the feast. 
Well, I mean, the good bishops are keeping the people out of sin. Well, dude, that's the so thing is that they, it, they, it is a, there's a beauty. There. They are shepherds, and they're like yeah. saying, "You guys are you get the, the sheep are too weak." Yeah, and they're so, loving their sheep. So go to a mass on Thursday anyway. Yeah, this week Ascension Thursday. I said we're we're recording on Tuesday today. We are recording on Tuesday. That's right. I had to check my watch to see if that's true. Yeah, dude, I'm actually gonna tweet right now during no. the podcast. No. that we are recording. Who are you tweeting to? Um, our, our Does Lanky guys have a tweet? Well, Twitter, not, no, Twitter thing? they have people who follow me. Like, oh, they, well, they we have tweet. a Facebook account. Okay. Should I put it on Facebook as we speak? Um, yeah. What, what am I? What are you saying? We're recording now. Yay! Okay, I'm going <laughs> to say that exact same thing, and then we really need to get to, get to business. <laughs> but this is the thing: is my brother? He was like, "You guys need to use more social media, just so that then I'm so using that, it, man. So then people can like kind of like they're like because like people dig us." Well, some people dig. Okay, yeah, actually, let's just be honest. Couple we people, really, your, your we mom re- and your brother. <laughs> yeah, we really dig us. Yeah, we do. We, we totally do. It's on Facebook. Social media. If you guys have seen it, then you are socially tapped in. You are socially awesome. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, we got to get to this. So, the ascension of the Lord. Um, I there are. We should point out there are two different options for mass readings today. So there's a possibility that people might not hear the readings that we're going to talk about. Is yeah, that true? Yeah, because uh, if you're in a diocese that they do the seventh Sunday of ordinary time, because because this is the thing is that um it's still an option for the bishop. So there's a lot of bishops okay. who have not actually transferred the fees. So they keep it on Thursday. So they keep it on Thursday. And, and so we're, we're international now. And so this might be for you. That's true. For all of our listeners in Portugal and Milan, for all of uh, you people in Swaziland, um, I don't know what you guys bishops are doing, but no, we don't. Just, but we respect them. But we still believe in you. We do. We love and you. your bishops. Yeah, for Pete's sake. But but we're, but we're 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 we um, already got a like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry, dude. Sorry. Who liked us? Uh, Tra- Travis R. Chapman. Dude, Travis Chapman. Travis. Dude, thanks thanks for being on top of your man, social media action. The man, Travis. Yeah. That was like within seconds. That's <laughs> awesome. Oh, I love it. Okay, man, you guys are the best. Okay, first. So the first reading first today reading. is is um actually a, a, a shop snapsa. Seriously, I learned it in German. That, oh, that if you have what's a quadrupsa? Yeah, quadrupsa. So <laughs> if if you see a bunch of numbers all in a row, then you're supposed to have a drink. So. So cheers to all of you who are listening to the podcast. And so it's Acts 1111. Cheers. A clinking, clinking oh, drink. Oh, look, you could do it against the microphone. Not as well. Not, not as That's well. good. All right, so Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. 1111. 1111. Take a drink. Oh, okay. Psalm, <laughs> responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 47, uh, verses 2 through 3, 6 through 7, 8 through 9. And the response is from verse 6. Yes, he does. Or, yes, it is. I was <laughs> reading it. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yes. And then the Ephesians, uh, the second reading is Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. Um, w- there's some divergence between Scott and I, and there may be an option for an Ephesians 4. I'm sorry. 4, between 1, Father Peter and the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Hey, Let's so. Let's be clear about who the divergence is between. So, what's happening is that I am using iMissile. <laughs> or at least their webmaster. I'm using iMissile on the iPad, and he's using usccb.org. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Catholic TV, Salt and Light, okay, they they may have it wrong. Um, the bishops may have it wrong. We'll we'll we'll, we'll find see. out on Sunday. We'll find out on Sunday. <laughs> so so if that's the case, then um, you're gonna just be missing out on the second reading, which ties everything it's together. All right? No, so, come on, man. Ephesians okay. one seventeen through twenty three. Did you already say that? Uh, yeah, and then and then uh, then you might have Ephesians four one through thirteen, but you probably won't. Uh, or you might have Ephesians four one through seven eleven through thirteen, but we're not gonna talk about that. And then we have a gospel. We do from. 
Matteo, 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 Matthias, 28, 16 to 20. All right. Which is the very end of the gospel. This, In fact. Hold on. I wanted to sing a song about the end. This is the end. My it's the end of friend. the readings as we, we know, know them. Um, but I feel fine. I do. And you do. We do. All of us do. <laughs> so Three I, likes so far. Dude. <laughs> This this is my brother. Social media, man. Social. That's the wave of the future. They feel, I feel so social right now. I social. Wonder, let's We're look at, socially media-ing. Yeah, let's see if I got any. You've got stuff. none. Notifications. Okay, we got to keep going. Okay. So I'm going to start talking about Acts while you do that. Okay, I'm just So looking. Acts of the Apostles, um, which we've been in for a little while, but now we've we've uh, kind of reversed and gone back to the very, very beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. Which I was like, I was wondering about that thing, man. Like, this is kind of crazy that like, um, that like, we started later and then we keep moving, like we keep on moving backwards. We I feel, have been moving backwards. I feel like Doctor Who. We were just talking about Doctor Who. We were. That's why you feel that way. I know. I just feel like Doctor Who in the readings. It's just like we. I've never actually watched Doctor I Who. I actually feel like um, River Song um, in her relationship to Doctor Who. For all of those who are you, super geeky, but Doctor Who is enough for most regular humans. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I mean, I've literally got nothing to contribute to this conversation. <laughs> literally. That's pretty normal for you. Okay, here, here's something I have to point out. Um, oh gosh, there's so much to say because I love the Acts of the Apostles. Um, in the first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus didn't taught. Which so, we talked about last week about Theophilus. Theophilus, or some, at some point in the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah because we've been digging in. Um, but here's the thing. The, uh, the translate, I, I take a little issue with the translation that we have here. And maybe you, no, no, because they're, it's all the same translation. I can find another translation. No, no, I've, I've got it. So what it says in the translation that you will hear at Mass is, I... In the first read book, O Theophilus, unless you're in another country, which I know many of you are, so maybe some of you will hear a different translation of this. In the first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus did and taught until the day that he was taken up. Of course, this is uh, Luke writing this. In the Greek, what he actually says is in the first book, and by the way, what was the first book? Uh, the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. So Acts of the Apostles is volume two of a two-volume set. So in the first book, that is the Gospel of Luke, I dealt with, and what it says in the Greek it all that Jesus began to do and teach, which is a really until, important distinction until the day he was taken up. So, And after. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to keep I did yeah, verbs. I thanks. Thanks for all your, your support and assistance <laughs> and non-distracting language. Good. Um, so, okay. So think about this for a second. Take a step back. If the Gospel of Luke dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, uh-huh. what will Acts of the Apostles be about? It will be about what God can, Jesus continues to do and to teach. And that's a really important point because what Acts is showing is that Jesus is literally, not just in some kind of neat emotional, you know, metaphorical way, literally the work of Jesus continues in the life of the church. The church is the activity of Jesus. And Luke makes that abundantly clear by the use of the word began, which, again, I'm kind of sad that it doesn't show up in this translation. Which, and, which is an interesting thing because, like, <clears throat> I think in some ways— um, our individualistic culture um, loses that sense in our, in the urgency totally. of our mission because totally. we, I actually don't realize that. Or I, we emotionalize it. Ooh. Don't you think? Yeah. Like we're Jesus. doesn't really matter. I, you know, we're all Jesus and we're God. I, I, you know what I mean? Which those, is Those are extreme, two extremes. Exactly. Where, where it's like, exactly. it doesn't really matter what I do. Right. 
and and then you yeah. know what like oh it's like an over an emotionalization of yeah. consciousness yes. you're you're actually engaged um too you're too softy doft dofty and it's not but it's not see where the over emotionalization comes in is that we kind of think well we can kind of do whatever we want to what actually the apostles here's what i love about the book luke is very strategic in the way that he writes this book so um, Jesus, you know, the Gospel of John at the very end makes it clear that there aren't enough books in the world to contain all the things that Jesus did and taught. He did, he did a lot. He did, he had a lot of ministry, three years long. Yeah. What Luke does is chooses, and you can go through this. There's strategy. The things that Jesus does in the Gospel of Luke, you specifically see the apostles doing in Acts. So he doesn't list, you know, the Gospel of Luke doesn't list all of the miracles that Jesus did. Acts of the Apostles doesn't list all the miracles and things that the apostles did. But he chooses the ones that actually match up because he's trying to make a point and show that, look, what the apostles are doing is a literal continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. They're literally raising people from the dead, healing lepers, cleansing people. They're preaching in these ways. What's interesting, and in this reading, what we see, I mean, the, the, again, this is Ascension Sunday. Yeah. So what we're seeing is we're actually seeing— Ascension Thursday, Sunday. Ascension Thursday, Sunday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> is, we're seeing Jesus taken up. So what yeah. we're seeing is we're actually seeing an eschatological, which is, the, is all about the final things, the full revealing. Eschatological. S. Catalogical, like as in like not scatological, not, not to be mistaken, as I once like thought when I was a little kid, like our podcast last week, right? It was very scatological. Okay, move on. <laughs> so, <laughs> moving on. Um, what, but what happens is you're actually seeing a vision of the entire church actually being brought up into heaven. Yeah, and and so this is this is actually mm. one of the senses of scripture. It's like every time you read, you're actually seeing that these are the things that are going to be revealed at the end of the age. That this is actually the full destiny of humanity we see in Christ. Yeah. Even though he begins these things, we're incorporated into him. That's why it's it's yes. like we see the pattern of all of history and humanity and life in Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when he's being like lifted up, yeah. and my famous question, at what rate of ascent did mm, he really have? Your famous question. <laughs> yes. Every year I Everyone ask this question. Really? At what rate did Jesus ascend? I mean, like, let's be honest. Dude, I'm into rocketry, and I... I'm into rocketry. That's a great line. <laughs> Everybody, I'm into rocketry. I'm into rocketry. Dude, there's a big rocket outside of the theater. I went to go see X-Men last night. And um, and like every time I walk by that rocket, it's from LASP up here in Boulder. You should have shot it off. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I want to be... I want to go to a rocket launch. Okay, here, okay. this is for the radio listening audience. For you guys in the podcast, if any of you guys are involved in serious... Rocket launches, please invite me. I will come. I'll fly out. By I wanna... serious rocket launches, do you mean like a bunch of people in a field, or do you mean like NASA? Both. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because when I okay, okay. <laughs> dude, rocket good. rocket launches and fields are just are fun. But dude, I want to go to like some big like thing where like the Earth shakes. I feel the Earth. Well, we had one listener who works for NASA in Russia, didn't we? Oh yeah, yeah. He like trained. That. He trained cosmonauts. Yeah, so he can hook you up. Or astronauts. Now, Cosmonauts, I guess. Yeah. Okay, but here, here's the thing. Just w to reiterate this point, though, and th this is not um, the other thing about this. So the other we're talking about pitfalls, I guess, really, right? With this idea that the church is the continuation. What this is also showing us is that th the church is not some add-on, which is actually what I thought 
when I was sort of in my more Protestant days, before mm-hmm. I understood what the church was, that, you know, there's this, the reality is me and Jesus. We have this reality. We have this relationship. That's primary. And then there's this great place called the church that you could kind of live that out if you want to. Well, it's like Teilhard de Chardin's famous quote. You know, he promised the kingdom and all we got was the church. That was Father uh, Alfred Loisy. It was a Loisy. Dude, Loisy. that dude was lousy. Ah! <laughs> Yes, but yeah, Jesus promised a kingdom oh, dude, and all we got was the church. I'm sorry, I blamed Telhard because he's blameworthy of No, he's blameworthy of lots of stuff, but that but, wasn't him. But that wasn't him. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about that, because that's actually how I think a lot of people think about this, is that, you know, the church is just such a mess, and there's corruption, and there's, you know, money, and da-da-da-da-da. But think about this. Later on, it's in chapter 9, but when we first are introduced to Saul, who becomes Paul, right? When Saul is knocked to the ground on the road to Damascus, remember what the Lord says to him? Um, Saul, why are Saul. you persecuting me? Yeah, he doesn't say, why are you persecuting the church? Why are you persecuting the believers? Why are you persecuting these people? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul is not, uh, Saul's persecuting people. He's com- persecuting a community. He's persecuting these believers. Jesus makes it abundantly clear that what he's actually doing is literally, pers- if you do it to the church, you do it to Jesus. Yeah. The, it, there's no way around that in Acts 9, right? Yeah. So that's what, it, despite the fact that the church is full of flawed, sinful people, that's just the reality, and that's kind of what we're stuck with. But that's what Acts is sort of st- um, setting out. And what, what the text kind of goes on to do, so that was just sort of a, a quick precursor into this. So all that Jesus did and taught until the day he was taken up, and he gave instructions in the Holy, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them. What, what the beginning of Acts is really doing is giving kind of a quick recap of how the Gospel of Luke ended. So, you know, it's like the end of the, your favorite, or the beginning of, of a TV show, like last week on Lost. Da, 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 da. And it's, it's kind of giving a recap, but he's giving you actually a little bit more information. Which so, specifically these two dudes in white garments. Well, even more than that. Because it it says he appeared, he presented himself alive to them by many proofs he had suffered. He appeared to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. It actually, so Luke told you that he appeared to them. Acts gives you the topic of their conversation, which is really important. So what Acts tells you is that what they were talking about was the kingdom of God, which doesn't sound like it's, the, okay, the kingdom of God. Of course they're talking about that. But that concept, the kingdom of God. <laughs> yeah, I'm just laughing. I just like it. Yeah. I don't know why I said it that way. But the concept of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew says it, they're the same concept. But Matthew was a Jew and he didn't, he couldn't use the name of God. So it's the same idea. Oh. But the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is the most commonly repeated term in all of the gospels. It's the thing that Jesus is talking about more than anything else. You, know, you can I, quantitatively add it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest for a second. Do, do it. I would hope you would. Um, I am always a little bit confused about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Like it, it's just one of those things. Like we talk about it a lot, and we talk about the church, but like how do those two relate? Like oh, it's man. just it's just one of those things. And I think that there's a lot of people who are listening that like you go like like I kind of my default like oh Bible world kind of stuff is like okay kingdom of God. Um, that means. I mean, like, I can kind of speculate and I can go like, okay, that's the church. That's a bunch of bishops and priests. It's well, a Vatican. I could speculate and I can go um, Christendom and all the Gothic cathedrals of Europe and all these things. Acts at all. I mean. Acts of the Apostles? Ah. ah. Okay, think about it. That term appears in the Old Testament. This is the first thing we need to know. The kingdom of God or Basilea Tuntheun. The concept appears in the Old Testament. Yeah. Specifically, there's a line in First Chronicles 
that talks about the kingdom of God in the hands of the sons of men. Basileia Tutheu. I so, like, I, I mean, that's the way I always have. Yeah, that's it. That's it. But the concept. So what's the kingdom of God in the Old Testament specifically? Do you know? Um, the kingdom of God in the Old Testament is the temple? No. It the temple is, is a part of the kingdom of God of the Old Testament. Is it Moses and the Levitical priesthood? No. I have no idea then. Is there any kingdoms in the Old Testament? David. Yeah. David. But it's the kingdom. I mean, the people of the Old Testament, there was a kingdom I mean, There was like a governance in a land. There was a people of God called Israel, and they had a kingdom. And if Israel was the people of God, then their kingdom was the kingdom of God. And actually, in it's in Second Samuel, it's in First Chronicles, different times when God... I think the first Chronicles one, remember when uh, Rehoboam and Jeroboam are having that fight and they're about to divide the kingdom in half and have the civil war? Yeah, yeah. God actually says to, let's see, is it Jer- Jeroboam, the one who's about to take the kingdom north, he says, you think to divide the kingdom of God placed into the hands of men. You think to you think to do this. God himself actually calls it his kingdom. Now, it's his kingdom placed in the hands of flawed, sinful people like David and like Solomon and the rest, right? Yeah. But it's still his kingdom. So by Jesus' time, what's everybody waiting for? Everybody in Palestine is waiting for the return of the Davidic kingdom because that was— They're waiting for the third book from J.R.R. Tolkien, the return of the king. They're waiting for the return of the king. (laughs) But they really are. They want their kingdom back because they've lost their land. It's controlled by Rome now. They've lost— their power. They have no military. They've got this sham king named King Herod, who's actually not even Jewish. He's Edomian, who's a puppet regime placed there by Caesar. They're waiting for the, and, and all the prophets are clear that when God comes back, when the Lord steps in to set things right, he's going to bring a kingdom which is everlasting and which will never depart. Which is why they're always trying to get Jesus. Are you going to be king now? Are you going right. to be king now? Are exactly. you going to actually, are you going to take up like governance? But but we, we sometimes over-spiritualize this too, because if you're one of the apostles or if you're just some some schmo in Palestine waiting for the return of the kingdom of God, yeah. you're not waiting for some, you know, big magical thing on the clouds to lower itself or you're not you know, waiting the spiritual for our vision reality. Of, uh, of the vision of the heavenly Jerusalem no. that is foundation and carnelians and no. transparent gold. You're waiting for a military coup that will take over and that will usurp the kingdom back from Rome and that will recover a level of independence for your region and your territory and you will have economic freedom. They're thinking very temp. I'm not trying to diminish it, but they're thinking of a temporal. Not, I don't mean temporal in a bad sense, but they're thinking of a very concrete, concrete. earthly reality. Yeah. And so, if you're a Jewish person, you're thinking and you're longing and waiting for the day that the kingdom comes back. What are you expecting? Well, you're expecting a king who's going to be rule over lands and have a military. And but what have was the king? And what stuff? was the title of the king in the Old Testament? Um, he had a very specific title that he held. I don't remember. The Son of God. I thought that was just for Caesar. Caesar usurped it. That usurper. Well, remember, in, in, it's in Psalm 7. It's in first, uh, no, it's in Psalm 1 or 2. It's in 2 Samuel 7. When David is installed as king, he's called God's son. Gosh, I'm, I, that's, that's the thing is like my, my favorite. And we are in like so deep in context. I love this. Yeah. Um, but I was, I'm, I was thinking about how at the, at the moment you will see the son of God coming on the clouds of heaven. Well, now that's a very distinct, that's very specific. That's a reference to Daniel. So 
Yes. In Daniel, which is one of the most read prophecies of the, the generation maybe just before Jesus, there's this prophecy that basically says, okay, there's going to be all these kingdoms that rule over the earth. They're going to be stripping your power. They're going to be oppressing you, which kingdoms had been since the time of Babylon. Help, help, I'm being oppressed. I'm being oppressed. Um, but there's going to come a time during the reign of the fourth kingdom in the, in the, in the narrative of Daniel that um, one like a son of man is going to descend on the clouds and he's going to take back the kingdom and he's going to defeat the fourth, the fourth kingdom, this beast, and he's, his kingdom will last forever and ever and ever. So nobody knew at the time, though, if that is this like a, a mystical vision? Is this literal? Is this a metaphor for something? You probably assumed it was a metaphor of, okay, a king is going to come back. He's going to defeat all the enemies. It's going to be like somebody descending on the clouds. You know, it's using figurative language to describe something. Nobody was sure. But everyone's expecting that during the reign of Rome, everybody knew the timing because Daniel was clear. During the reign of the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. someone's going to come and he's going to usher in this new kingdom of God. But again, when they're thinking of the kingdom of God, they're not thinking of some spiritual reality floating on the clouds. They're thinking of a kingdom with a king whose title was the son of God. They're thinking of a king. What would a kingdom have? A kingdom would have a king. It would have a prime minister, the Albayit, someone who held the keys to the kingdom, who was called Papa or Abba. They would have that. It would have a queen mother because most kingdoms in the world at that time had a bunch of different queens because of polygamy. So if there's a bunch of different queens, how do you decide who's actually queen? Well, a king only had one mother. So the queen mother, the Gebera, was a very important role in the kingdom. Every good kingdom had stewards that the kingdom would choose the king would choose these individuals to sort of take leadership in the kingdom. So all these things are what they're looking for when they think their king is coming. So there shows up Jesus, who calls himself one like a son of man, or the son of God. And he what? He gives someone the keys to the kingdom, establishes a prime minister called Peter. He has this mother who we held up, who we hold up as the queen. He establishes Mary. twelve stewards to rule over the kingdom. Apostles. He's bishops. literally. I mean, what he's doing is literally building a kingdom in the way that people thought a kingdom ought to look, with a hierarchy and a structure and a concreteness. It just happens to be a kingdom where the king is going to die on a cross, where the stewards are going to have to sleep on the streets and in you know be itinerant and not have power and wealth and money and a big military, where they're actually going to have to suffer and die at the hands of their enemies. But all of this stuff is necessary for the kingdom that God wants to bring in to reign. And it's sort of funny. Well, no, we're not there yet. We're gonna to get to that in the gospel, dude. Though. I don't even want. I don't even want to keep going with this podcast just because the diatribe that you just gave right now. I'm just. I'm just like tweaking, man. I'm loving. Are this. you really? Oh, I'm. Oh, loving your face it. was unreadable as I was. Oh no, man. I'm just. I, I, well, that's because this is the thing. Is it's a mystical kingdom? Like, yeah. like, and because well, because we it is and we, it's not. Well, we. I mean, it's concrete and it's mystical. Like yeah. that's that's right. actually the right. truth about. What everything that we are is is it's it's actually concrete and transcendent yes. in this this same moment. Yes. And so, like, so these two men say, like, here's this just Jesus who's left you is going to come back the same way, right? Like, we're actually we are being totally lifted up while being yes. we're being totally grounded. We're actually right. enjoying things. Like, I am like so like exultant <laughs> in the reality <laughs> of um, Jesus, like. His consideration for mm. us, so that we could actually see the pattern, yeah, and that that this is these are things that are totally intelligible. Yes. It is not yes, abstract, exactly, but that it totally takes all of these forms and blows them up so that you can actually see all of eternity through them. Well, this is the thing. I mean, the Jewish people of Jesus's time. We have to remember the context. 
the Jewish people of the first century hated abstractions. They did not like the abstract. Why? Who was into abstractions? Remember? Greeks. The Greeks. And the Jews and the Greeks were sort of the diametric Jew, Jews asked for science. Greeks asked for knowledge or wisdom or something. Something. Something yeah. like that. But I mean, that, I mean, where, what are the Greeks? They produce Plato and Aristotle and, and the golden mean. The, golden mean. The, the Israelites were very different. They were very concrete. They liked action. I mean, this is why the they old like healings and, and and stuff. Well, not even that. Even in the way that they speak. I mean, read the Psalms. God is our rock. God is our water. It doesn't talk in the Psalms about God being love or God being omnipotent or God being all power. I mean, these things are abstract ideas. What? How do you describe omnipotent? Well, I, I don't know, but I know how to describe a rock. I know how to describe water in a desert. Oh, that's what God is like. It's very concrete. It's very tangible. This is why the kingdom, for the kingdom of God to be this abstraction, would have made no sense for a first century Jewish audience. That would have that would have been absurd. Well, then, so they're expecting a kingdom with a king and with stewards and with a queen mother and with a prime minister and everything else. That you, this is why the apostles are so frustrated during Jesus' three-year ministry because they keep saying, okay, when are we going to see it? When is it going to happen? Got it. And that's why Jesus, I mean, again, it's, you know, the, the irony is that Jesus's coronation is being lifted up on a cross to the throne of the cross and with, but, but it actually, he has a throne and he has a crown and he's clothed in purple garments. It's not abstract. Jesus's crucifixion being his coronation is not some weird theological abstraction. It actually has a crown and royal robes and an ascension. Literally, it's very concrete. Then let's it's sing. just not what we expected yeah, it to yeah, be. Yeah. Then let's sing a song. Okay, well, this is good. So God, so the 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 act goes on to talk about the actual ascension when Jesus shoots off like a rocket in heaven. Dude, what? you're just like blowing my mind. I can't even handle all this. Like, is this, this good? Is, yeah, this okay. is so good. Okay. Like, like if if you're listening and you've already turned off, then <laughs> no, goodbye. Turn it back on. Turn it back on. But it's if you're listening, stuff. man, isn't this awesome? Isn't <laughs> this like? Don't you feel like? Oh yeah, this is who I am. This is what I made for. Like, let's do this. Let's 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 mount. Let's let's watch God mount His throne to shouts of joy and a blare of trumpets for the Lord. Which oftentimes this is the the, psalm. Res- the response, like the 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 melody, I don't have it in my mind. But like, oftentimes this is a really cool melody for this particular I, one. I can't remember it. Yeah, I'm sure I will on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, you will. Now this is cool though. So Psalm 47, God mm-hmm. mounts His throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. It's all about. I, what the literal, what the Hebrew actually says is God ascends his throne to shouts of joy. This is, again, where our translations just kind of mess us up. I mean, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice for on the day of the ascension for the psalm to actually say ascends like it's supposed to? Dude, I have to say that my, my, dad, my dad, the whole time I was growing up, he would always be like, these translations are crap. <laughs> Like, just like a good dad would be. You know what I mean? Like, he just, like... Now, in in the NAB, that's what we get in the Mass. In the New American Bible's tr- defense, um, what the New American Bible is trying to do, what the Mass readings try to do in their translation is have the translation that is the most accessible to the most amount of... the, the broadest amount of... So, I mean, there, there might be people who just don't know what the word ascent is means it's a fancy way of saying he mounts his throne so there, there i think but the, but the poetically it would be far more proper if it said what it says totally but in defense i mean i see what the church is doing with this i do want to you know did you defend the church on that absolutely poetically and, i wish it said something else yeah poetically poetically like a, ascend i mean this is the thing is that's actually why we go into this and like exactly and, and, and actually exactly. <clears throat> it affords us an opportunity to consider it in, in a variety of understandings and so that we can actually go deeper and we can look at Peel the, the onion, baby. 
<laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> Dude, we are the Lenka guys. We peel the onion for you. Get peel on it. your goggles. Because <laughs> you're going to Oh, because you're going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, here's the thing. So the Lord ascends his throne. Um, I was reading a commentary on this, but uh, we do kind of think this way. So, and I we have to confess this because we actually, last week we mentioned that this Sunday being Pentecost. Yeah, so we literally forgot about the ascension. But I think the ascension tends to be one of the most forgot about feasts in the church because it does, it's, and it's but it's but it's actually the most critical well, because we think of it kind of as an afterthought. Yes, it's like oh, by the way, he he floated up in heaven. Yeah, 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 right. But let's move on to the other stuff. I mean, we forget how vitally important. And I'm reminded there's a line in Hebrews, which is really applicable here because we spent the time talking about Acts, talking about the nature of the kingdom. What is this kingdom? Well. How does Moses make his copy? Hebrews it. <laughs> so the, the letter to the Hebrews says, if he were still on earth, he would not be a priest. Do you remember that? So Hebrews talks about when no. Jesus ascends, he actually enters into the heavenly throne room. He takes up his he takes up his seat at the right hand of God. He is actually our priest and our king. If he stayed on earth, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have ascended to his throne. The kingdom would not be realized. Yes. The ascension is not an afterthought. It is what actualizes it is what activates that's the word i'm looking for it's what activates the kingdom to actually be present so when we read this and actually psalm 47 it's so cool because all the echoes of psalm 47 are echoes to david taking the ark of the covenant into jerusalem remember when david (laughs) remember that yeah i just it just tickles it just tickles so much you know what i mean because well because it's oh i don't because it's it's taking the like it's like the the foreshadowing (laughs) (laughs) when it's taking the foreshadowing Of the like the absolute most concrete thing that yep. is uh, intelligible yes. on earth. It's like the same thing yep. we're talking about. Where, <sighs> you know what I mean? Here's Dave. What do we know about this? This is David in the kingdom. Here he actually is taking the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And now all of a sudden we have this image. Now it's just this profound shadows. And all of a sudden yeah. we're encountering the reality. What is David doing because of his fidelity? He's helping us yes. to image and to understand. No, God is now actually taking yes. and going into eternity. He's yeah. bringing humanity into the divine Godhead. Exactly. Like, like that's why it tickles. There's so many levels to this that it's like, it's it's just freaking me out. But that's also sort of the pinnacle moment in David's career. I mean, yeah, he had a bunch of military defeats. He had all this stuff, but it was the moment that he brought God's presence into the temple itself. And he did it in his underwear. Well, and what he does it in his underwear, but what does he do? He danced, he claps his hands, he danced, he sings. That's what this psalm is all about. That's what it's talking about. That's what's happening here. But now it's the real, it's the real temple. The earthly temple, I mean, this is clear in the Old Testament, I think. The earthly temple that David goes into, that Jesus has a bunch of fights in front of, was a mere shadow of a heavenly temple that exists, that God has ascended to. I mean, remember in, in the book of Exodus, when Moses is, just, is told how to build the temple, the tabernacle, he's given the blueprints. Do you remember the story? It's in, in Exodus. When Moses is de- when God describes to Moses what he's supposed to build, he's shown a temple, a tabernacle in heaven, and God says, "Hey, build something that looks like this," which tells you that all we had on earth was a model of something that already existed in heaven, mm. because God Moses is shown, "Hey, here's the tabernacle. Build one that looks like this." Essentially, yeah. And then in Hebrews, of course, God is described. Jesus is described going into the holy of holies, the real one, the heavenly one. And all this different stuff. So 
the ascension this is this is the moment when everything is actuate actual activated <laughs> activated and that's what brings us to ephesians so we were talking before the podcast about how seemingly obscure Ephesians, the reading from Ephesians is, which is our first, our second reading. I have to say, I read it and I, I felt like, uh, according to this podcast, I felt like a Hebrew. I was like, <laughs> man, we are in like abstract land. No, like, we're not though. Well, then let's do this. Because uh, what 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 is he, what is Ephesians doing? Ephesians is essentially linking the Old Testament prophecy and the Psalm. The Old Testament prophecy in narrative, the psalm in song, and then the New Testament reality, and it's linking all these things together. So about a little more than midway through, it says, uh, what is it? In accord with the exercise of his great might, which he worked in Christ, raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens, far above every principality, authority, power, and domination, every name that is named, not only in... I'm sorry, dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come, he put all things under his feet. He gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. That is the description of the church being activated, of the kingdom of God being activated. This is the moment. It's, it's, it's explaining to you, hey, remember what was prophesied in the Old Testament? Remember what you read about in Acts of the Apostles? What's actually happening at that moment that Jesus is flying up into the sky is that the kingdom is being realized. In, in, and all things are being placed under Jesus' feet. Every principality, authority, power, dominion, everything that is named at that moment is now put under his feet in a very official very royal way. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, this is perfect. Well, yeah, yeah. With that, actually, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, like, that's because I was reading it, and I mean, the, the other options, like, I was looking at them, and in some ways, I was just in, embracing some of their concrete nature. But this yeah, is, yeah. like, the reality of what the Basilea to Theu, the kingdom of God, is is actually happening really is brought out in this in this passage from Ephesians. I yeah, yes. I get it. I I totally like yeah, he is he becomes king. Like he you know, I mean but, if 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 he was in the game of thrones, <laughs> he would nice. ha- have the throne. But that's the thing. I mean, Paul, who I think wrote Ephesians, who wrote Ephesians, um also understands his Old Testament because we talked about Daniel a minute ago and what Daniel said was when the son of man descends on the clouds and receives dominion and kingdom and power it describes all of this stuff but in the in the future tense it says he's going to do this Paul then takes literally word almost word for word that passage of Daniel and says look Jesus did all of these things and he describes you so in case you had not realized, oh, that famous prophecy from Daniel, look, it was fulfilled in Acts chapter 1, what we just read at Mass. So he literally is linking all the pieces together for you. He's spelling it out for you, which is really nice. Yeah. So it's a, it's a perfect choice for a second reading. Which so leads us, which propels us. Which propels us, just like Jesus was propelled <laughs> into, into heaven. Was it a progressive or regressive burn? That is the question. Progressive, for sure. Progressive, yeah. Which, I don't know what that means. Uh, regressive means it starts off very fast and it gets slower as it goes up. Versus progressive means that it starts off. Oh, it's I've got slower and then, and then and then accelerates as he goes. Oh yeah, totally. And I, it had the sounds from like the Jetsons, like that's how I imagine. Oh well, this is the thing: is that like now that we're in Matthew twenty-eight, at the end of his at the end of his gospel. I love this passage because it's the question of. 
Okay. Ah, here yes. is here are all of these structures. The, the the reality is is that I have actually set up my albayid. I've set up the queen mother. I've set up uh, I set up my uh, essentially my governmental structure yep. th that is meant to actually go out to all the nations, the whole world. But how do we do this? And he the, like. The, the the last words of anybody are the most critical words. Especially in the Bible. Especially in the Bible. Well, I, I remember when I was a kid, uh, my dad, I, I was terrible at studying. And so my dad saw an infomercial on uh, this thi this study method called Where There's a Will, There's an A. There's an A. I remember that. Dude, Where There's a Will, There's an A. And I remember Absolutely. one of the, the lessons in it was um, about concentration levels, that you, you remember the thing at the very beginning and the very end, and then your totally. concentration wanes in the middle. Totally. And so if you can have a bunch of beginnings and ends, then so you can actually... missed the psalm in the first reading. <laughs> yes, and so they're just going to pitch it to the oh, end. Man. But, but oh, man. Well. But the thing that you say at the very end, and you learn this as a homilist, is like that that's actually what people are going to walk away with. Yeah, totally. And so um, so Jesus, he's saying this, and this is, this, is his, this is his takeaway. Totally. He's like, guess what? You have to have relationships. And these relationships are discipleship relationships, teaching everybody all that I've commanded you. You have to actually have disciples. Yeah. I mean, but the, gr the grammatical construction of this, I think, is is the most important part to this. So what he's, what he said, this, so, you Ooh. know, this is called Ooh. the great commission, right? When Jesus commit, com commissiones, commissiones. Is, oh yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, yes. The great commission. But you, you've heard the joke, right? What this is commonly called the great omission. No. Because we don't actually do it, right? It's the great commission, <laughs> but it's actually the great omission because we don't go out to all the nations. I mean, there's some times in the church, but we, we're terrified of this as everyday folks, right? But what, what it actually does in the grammatical construction, I think is fascinating. He says, go therefore, but but in, in the Greek grammar, what the imperative actually does is it says, going therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. So the imperative is assumed. As you go out to all the nations, here's what you are to do. So Jesus is taking it for granted that, of course, you're going to go out to the nations. And as you do that, you're going to baptize and you're going to preach to them all the things that I have commanded you and all this stuff. But the key is in the going. You actually have to go. We don't have a come ye gospel. We have a go, go ye. ye gospel, which mm. is definitely the most difficult part of this. Now, we see that the apostles are faithful to this. They finally get it after Pentecost when they're locked in the upper room trying to hide themselves. But at some point, they actually get it and they go. I mean, you're going on the Camino de Santiago um, in a couple weeks, yeah. which is proof that James actually did this, that the apostles actually lived this. He made it as far as Spain for Pete's sake. So they actually do go. And as he went, he made disciples and he baptized. That's why... Spain was a Christian, is still technically a Christian country, right? Technically, yes. Well, I mean, Europe is a mess, and so are we. But I mean, this is the reality. But I think it's interesting what he says, so teaching them all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. The end of the age, um, you know, in the Jewish thought, was was the time when God would come back. He, he's going to come back, and, and the veil is going to be lifted. He... Yeah. But the veil is going to be lifted, and we're going to see reality. I mean, right now we live in this kind of in-between the ages. It still feels like this old age before Christ has come and saved us. He actually did save us. There is a new life. Death no more is in control, but it's hard to see that. So I had a professor who once said that the period that we live in in the church, the period of the church is like, it's like the if you think of World War II, it's the period between D-Day and V-E Day. So the war is done. The war is over. The Nazis have lost but we've not yet fully experienced the emancipation yet. So 
I mean, what happened? Think of, think of, think of, I, I saw that movie Monuments Men over the weekend, which was, yeah. it was a pretty good movie, but I was thinking about the Nazis and about, you know, the World War II. What happened right after Germany was defeated in World War II? What did all the Nazis start doing? Did they all say, oh, we're sorry, everybody. You know, everybody's free to go. You can leave the concentration camps. Everybody's fine. Covering sorry we stole all this art. You know, what? You know, we'll, we'll just go home now and leave you to your business. Trail of destruction. They destroyed everything they possibly could because they realized what? They were done. It was over. They've already lost. So let's wreak as much havoc as we can on our way out. But they wreaked havoc because they realized they'd lost. So if it seems like, you know, our world is getting worse every day and there's just more chaos and more sin and Satan's out of control, yet we have this faith that supposedly tells us that Jesus has defeated all that, it actually makes sense to me in that analogy that Christ has actually defeated everything. He's defeated evil. He's defeated death. But death knows it's defeated, so it's going to wreak as much havoc as it can before he comes back and it's vanquished eternally which is why the world doesn't make sense. So when Jesus says, I am with you always until the end of the age, if it wasn't going to seem like Jesus wasn't with us, he wouldn't have needed to point that out. Mm. He points it out because it was going to look like he's not with us. It's going to feel like we're abandoned because he's ascended into heaven. We can't see him anymore. He's, you know, under the appearances of bread and wine, but that's hard to discern with our eyes and our mouths and everything else. And our spirit, yeah. So he has to point out, no, I really am with you. Whether you feel it or not, that's the reality, but he needs to say that because he knows what's coming. Well, yeah, and I love that about Christ. It's like, it's like whenever he says, okay, remember this, it's because it's going to get really obscure and it's right. going to be hard. Exactly. Like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Which should come to an end because it's long. <laughs> Dude, this has been really fun today. Oh, I'm, this is a good one. I've really had an, a good time, and we pray that you also have had a good time. Oh, um, we pray that. Hanging out. Well, if they made it this far, they've had a good Seriously, time. Seriously, maybe you just turn that fast forward. <laughs> Dude, my mom, my mom, when she was on the podcast app, she uh, she uh, accidentally had us at three times speed. She was, <laughs> yeah. Well, she sent us an email. Yeah, yeah. You got to slow down. Yeah, you got to slow down. You guys are talking like way fast, man. That was awesome. That makes me so happy. I love mm. my mom. I love my dad. I love oh, all of you yes. who are tuned in. Indeed. And um, if the, if you have the Sunday seventh Sunday of Easter, then uh, this is a great preparation for the Ascension Thursday. Yeah, and so we'll we'll just do it. That's why we did a little bit early for you this Indeed. week. And, and uh, pray for Scott. He's going to be going up to Camp Waitiwa. Woo. And he's going to be living up there, um, and I am not going to be living up there. But I'm you're going on the Camino soon. I'm going on the Camino soon. We're all and, going up to the and and I got my I got my new mills. pants and yep. and I got my I got a black hat. I'm actually going to wear my clerics on the Camino, which is nice. totally absurd. I love it um, because it's going to be hot. Hot. Um, I washed my sleeping bag for the first time since I went on the Camino last time, but don't tell anybody. I won't tell anybody. Okay, that would be great. Your secret's secret safe with me. Okay. And um, and I got a Camino map, which I'm producing, and I'm going to start selling. So if you guys are going on the Camino. They're really cool. Look uh, look up viaparagrini.com, and uh, uh, that's it. But I'll, I'll talk more about that in the future. It's pretty cool. It's more Camino, so that'd be awesome. All right. We'll see you all next week. Keep it real. Peace. I'm out of here. That's for the 90s. Nice work. See you, Brooklyn. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.